0: You've just tuned into the Unify podcast from Unify Youth. Our goal is to equip young people with the Word of God so they can live empowered in Christ and tackle the challenges of this world. Tune in for weekly sermons, devotions, and interviews. Welcome to the Unify podcast. Well, we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to get right into the topic that we're going to talk about how can i grow as a christian so let's come before the lord and commit our time to him our heavenly father i want to thank you for this wonderful weekend that you have given us i look around in this room and i see so many different faces uh, from a number of churches as well and what a blessing that is Uh, thank you for each and every person who's here i pray that you would bless them as we take this opportunity to talk about this very important topic. I also pray for all the other leaders that are overseeing a different workshop at this time that you would be with them as they are able to seek to be a blessing to those who are listening as well. Uh, Watch over us and I pray this in Jesus name, amen. I mentioned just before the title of this session is How Can I Grow as a Christian? It's such an important question, and I am so excited to see so many of you interested in hearing the answer to this question. And I really wanna make this workshop as practical and as useful for you as possible. And as I said before, if you have any questions that you wanna ask, uh, do feel free to ask them at the end of our time together today. But if you don't necessarily think of your question now, uh, you can feel free at any time. Uh, for those of you who are from Emmanuel Baptist, you can come to me any week and any Sunday and ask me a follow-up question. But of course, I think there's going to be a and a in the third session later on for some of you who might be going to that. So you can always ask the question then. If not, feel free to ask one of your leaders throughout the rest of this weekend of any questions that you have. But I would encourage you, ask questions. Questions are very good and i hope that you can be helped by the answers that you're given well let's come to the question that i'm wanting to ask and the question i'm wanting to answer how can i grow as a christian well to begin with before i give you the first major point i have three points that i want to share with you the first thing that we need to remember before we look at our first three steps is that if we're going to grow as a christian you actually have to be a Christian to begin with. If you're not a Christian, you can't grow as a Christian. And this is a really important thing for you all to understand. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Coming from a Christian family does not make you a Christian. Going to cross-culture camp, as great as this camp is, does not actually make you a Christian in order to be a Christian you need to be born again you need to receive a new heart and that comes through a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ a Christian is a person who recognizes that they cannot save themselves they cannot inherit the kingdom of God because of their works or their good deeds Uh, We need to understand that the Bible gives all of us some really bad news and the bad news is according to God's word, Romans chapter three, there is none who does good, no, not one. There is none who is righteous. Now, you might do good to other people in the world and other people might think you're good, but God has the highest and most perfect standard and He says, there is none good. There is none who obey his righteous standards perfectly. And for that reason, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human being is sinful. Every single one of us has broken God's law. Uh, We have not reached his standard and his standard is perfection. And it doesn't matter if there's someone you know who is worse than you. If you have broken one of God's laws, you are sinful and you deserve the judgment of God. Now, that's the bad news. But the good news is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. And he did that by coming into this world by obeying the law of God that you and I have broken. He obeyed it perfectly. And not only did Jesus perfectly obey the law of God that you and I have broken every single day, he died the death that you and I deserve to die. He took the punishment that we deserve. And at the cross, he faced the fullness of God's anger towards us. He died, was buried and rose again, having victory over the grave. And we are told... In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, and verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, if you're going to be saved, meaning if you're going to be rescued from your sin, if you're going to be rescued from God's judgment, well, it needs to come by grace. That means you need to receive favor from God but a favor that you don't deserve and a favor you can't earn. That grace comes from God and the way you take hold of that gift of salvation, the gift of grace is through faith, faith in Jesus, believing and trusting in Jesus. Why must we trust in Jesus? Because only Jesus perfectly obeyed God's law and only Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. And if you have faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that means you are saying, I trust Jesus to be the righteousness that I need to be pleasing before God. And by having faith in Jesus means you're saying, I believe that only he can take away the punishment that I deserve. So to be a Christian means that you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a true Christian not only trusts in Jesus, a true christian loves jesus a true christian hates sin a true christian isn't someone who says i go to church i read my bible and i go to youth group fantastic things but those don't either prove or disprove whether you're a christian or not it's possible to be a fake christian and go to church it's possible to be a fake christian and read your bible It's even possible to be a fake Christian and go to youth group. But a true Christian will do those things. But more importantly than those things, will love the Lord Jesus Christ and will hate sin. So how does a Christian grow? Remember I said in order to grow as a Christian, you actually, first of all, have to be one. And if you're not a Christian today, or if you're not sure that you're not a Christian, I really challenge you to go before God and ask him to show you where you stand. And you do need to examine yourself to see if you actually are saved. I want to challenge every one of you. I don't want to look around this room and just assume you're all saved. I have a great love for all of you. And some of you, I don't know, but I really admire the fact that you're here and I really appreciate you. But I don't know your heart. God does. So don't be deceived. Don't just convince yourself that you're a Christian. Make sure that you are actually trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, for someone who does trust in Jesus and someone who does believe in him, how does that Christian grow Well, it's important that we talk about growing because god wants his people to grow he wants christians to grow it would be really sad if you were born into this world and you were a cute little baby which i'm sure you all once were and that's where you stayed uh 40 years later as you grow up you still couldn't talk and walk and still got a nappy on and um perhaps you have to be fed from a bottle It's cute when you're a baby, but if you get a little bit older and you decided not to grow up at all, it's not cute anymore, right? Um, Growth is very important. And so it is with a Christian. A Christian must be growing. And if we're going to grow as Christians, we need to be aware of of a number of things. So there's three things I want to share with you today that is essential if any Christian is going to grow. So let me give you the three points and then we're going to look at them one at a time and I'll break them down and we'll work through some practical points. Number one, if a Christian is going to grow, a Christian needs to make use of the resources for spiritual growth. We need the resources to actually help us grow. Secondly, we need to be aware of the enemies of our growth. There are enemies of Christian growth. And thirdly, we need to make use of the strategies of spiritual growth. So I'll just give you those three again. We're going to look at the resources for growth. We're going to look at the enemies of our growth. And then we're going to look at the strategies for our growth. All right, let's begin with the very first one. And that is the resources for our growth what does every christian need to grow well if you have your bible turn with me to the book of acts chapter 2 and verse 42 i want to read to you a a verse and this verse is describing the early church and what you have described in this verse in acts chapter 2 and verse 42 is what we could call the Ordinary resources that help us grow. This is what every Christian must be committed to if they are going to grow. Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. Notice at the beginning of the verse, it says, and they continued steadfastly. The they in verse 32 is referring to a group of 3000 people who had just become Christians. The they here are referring to those who realized that they are sinful And they turned from their sin and they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and they were saved. God added them to the church. So the people being described in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 are Christians, true Christians, people who've been forgiven of their sins and they've got new life. But notice there's four things that they did. Before we look at the four things, notice how they did these four things. Verse 42 says, and they continued steadfastly. Uh, You could also translate that as, and they devoted themselves to. In other words, these four things were not just four occasional habits they had in their life. Uh, These weren't four hobbies. Uh, These weren't four things they did when they had time. But instead, these were four things that these Christians made a priority for. You hear that word priority? These four resources is something that these Christians said we are continually devoted to them. If we have to choose between two things, these things get the priority. And these are the things that every church should be focusing on. And it's something that every Christian should be really committed to if they're going to grow. So, how does a Christian grow? Well, number one, we need the first resource, and that is we need to be devoted to the Apostles' teaching. Who were the Apostles? Well, the Apostles were these leaders chosen by the Lord Jesus to lead the church. In the first century and Jesus had given information to them through the Holy Spirit that they were to write down that would become the New Testament uh, they would write down things that would be scripture so what these apostles were teaching was actually God's Word they were teaching God's Word and we see that if you're going to grow spiritually you need to be devoted to God's word. What does it mean to be devoted to God's word? Well, it, it means a few things. Number one, it means that you privately have to be reading God's word. You need to take time to actually pick up your Bible and read it. But sometimes reading the Bible is a little bit challenging. There's some things in the Bible that are a little bit hard to understand. So I'd wanna encourage you that if you're going to grow, you need to read the Bible, but you need to learn how to read the Bible. There's multiple ways you can do it. Some people like to start in the book of Genesis and keep going and go all the way to the book of Revelation, and that's fine. But some people like to take a small book and just keep reading that same book over and over and over again, and that's fine too. The key is that if you're going to grow, You must not only read the word, but the word of God needs to start getting inside of you. You need to start learning what's in the Bible. I want to encourage you to read the Bible, but not just read the Bible privately. Learn to memorize the Bible. Uh, The psalmist said, your word I've hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, that is a way of saying I'm going to grow in my life as a believer because I'm going to get your word, oh God, and I'm going to hide it in my heart. Listen, you can't grow as a Christian if you don't have God's word. If you're not reading God's word, if you're not studying God's word, you're not going to grow. You need to take time privately to read God's word. And it's not about how much you're reading. The question is, are you reading? Don't feel guilty to think, well, I, I didn't read 10 chapters today. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to read 10 chapters in a single day. If you want to read 10 chapters, great. But that's not the point. The point is, are you reading God's word? God's word's like food. You can't actually grow if you're not eating good food, can you? Well, if you're going to grow as a Christian, you need good food. And the food for our soul is the Bible. It is bread to us. It is going to nourish us. It's going to tell us what God wants for your life. If you're going to grow, well, you need to be able to learn how to follow Jesus. You need to learn how to repent from sin. You need to learn what is sinful. And how are you gonna know what's sinful and how are you gonna know what's pleasing to God if you don't go to the place where God actually tells you? So if you're gonna grow, resource number one, devote yourself to the word of God privately, but also do that publicly. How do you devote yourself to the Bible publicly? Well, you do that by going to church. And in a faithful church, there should be Bible readings and there should be preaching from the Bible. And as you go week after week, listening to the Bible read, when someone gets up to do the scripture reading, really focus and concentrate and say, I want to hear what the word of God says. When the preacher gets up, listen to what the preacher is saying. Maybe you should even be praying for your preacher saying, Lord, help the person who's going to preach today. Preach the Bible so clear so we can all grow. Listen to the word of God. So if you're going to grow, you need the first resource. Resource number one, you need God's word. God's word is like food and you need to feed upon it. You need to expose yourself to God's word. So Read the word of God. Secondly, if you're going to grow, notice it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what else do we read in verse 42? Who can tell me the second thing? What's it say? Who's got it in front of them? To the fellowship. The fellowship there is referring to joining your life with other Christians. Fellowship is more than just hanging out. There's nothing wrong with hanging out with people. But fellowship here is talking about Christians getting together with other Christians. And when other Christians get together, what they're supposed to be doing is applying what they've been learning in God's word. They should be encouraging one another they should be challenging one another, they should be praying for one another, they should be loving one another, they should be serving one another, and the list goes on and on and on. That's what we need to do if we're going to grow. We need to gather with God's people at church. Uh, The book of Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that we should not forsake the assembling together as is the manner of some. Uh, We are to gather together on the first day of the week at church with other christians so that we can stir one another up to good works so that we may grow some people when they go to church it's more like a club but that's not what church is all about a church is about christians getting together to worship god and encouraging each other asking each other one another asking each other questions about the lord and about their life. How can I pray for you? How can I support you? If you see someone at church that you love doing something that's not pleasing to God, you want to lovingly come alongside them and challenge them and say, hey, I want to see you grow. If you're going to grow as a Christian, you need to fellowship with other Christians. So many Christians suffer when they stop fellowshipping with Christians and they start spending more time with those that aren't Christians. And guess what? They start behaving like them. If a Christian's going to grow, they need to be fed with God's word and they need to fellowship with God's people. Thirdly, we read that they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. Uh, that's referring to the practice of communion or the Lord's table. And as an application, we could also include in there as a, an implication, um, baptism as well. If we're going to grow, we need to be exposed to the blessing of the Lord's table. The Lord's table is a time that Christians celebrate and remember the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for us as we eat the bread and drink the cup and we proclaim our Lord's death till he comes. This is a time where Christians are strengthened and built up and are reminded that the Lord Jesus is their savior. And finally, we see in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the prayers if a christian is going to grow a christian needs to pray and how do we pray well like the word of god we need to do it privately and publicly privately we need to spend time praying to god if the word of god is like food prayer is like breathing and if we're going to grow we need to pray Now, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply pouring out our heart to God, saying, God, I need you. And we ought to pray all the time. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 says, pray without ceasing, which means your whole life is actually one big prayer. You only just stop to do other things. But we're to be constantly praying. It's like we've got a a live conversation always going on with the Lord. It's just every now and then there's some things we need to do. Uh, Our whole life is to be one big prayer. But how do we pray? What should we be praying? Well, let me give you some advice. When you pray, uh, perhaps you can think of the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. First of all, when you pray, use the letter A, adore God. That means praise God for who he is. Think of things that are true concerning God and say, God, This is true about you, and I just want to praise you for it. God, you are eternal. God, you are powerful. And I praise you that there is no one like you. God, you are loving. I praise you that you are a loving God. Praise God, adore God for who he is. Just spend time doing that quietly. Then we move to the letter C, and that is confession. You ought to daily confess to God your sins. And if we all think about it, we've got a lot of them to do every single day, don't we? I think my prayers could be mainly made up of my confessions. But confession is a beautiful thing in prayer because confession is you basically saying, God, I agree with you that I have sinned and I confess to you what I've done. If you think something that's wrong, if you think something that's inappropriate, if you say something that's bad, if you do something that's bad, immediately go to God and confess that to him. He already knows that you've done it, but confess to him because as you confess your sin to him, you're drawing closer to him. You grow by praying, praying adoration, praying confession, but T, that stands for thanksgiving. Thank God for things. Thank God that you're alive. Thank God that you can breathe. Thank God that you get to taste really nice foods. Uh, Thank God for opportunities to go away on camps. Thank God for the beautiful weather. Thank God for protecting you. Thank God for keeping you safe. Thank God for providing for you. Thank God for the food that he's given you, the clothes that he's given you. And the list goes on. There's so much you can be thanking God for. And we ought to give thanks. It's the will of God that we give thanks. Finally, the letter S stands for supplication. And that means to make requests. Ask God for things. Ask God to help you. Are you scared or fearful? Ask God to help you trust Him. Ask God for things. We ought to be spending time asking God, saying, God, I need you to help me. So if you're going to grow, you need to make use of prayer. But that's done privately. And how do we do it publicly? Well, again, in church, there ought to be prayers prayed. And when a prayer is prayed in church, You ought to be really listening to that prayer. And at the end of that prayer, guess what you can say out loud? Amen at the end of the prayer. And that's your way of saying, I agree with everything that has just been prayed. That prayer isn't just something that is to fill the service. That prayer is done on your behalf. If you're going to grow, you need to pray. So that's the resources for spiritual growth. You notice that they're all very ordinary things, but that's the way God's made it. God has designed for his people to grow through those ordinary resources. God's people grow when they make use of the word of God, when they make use of fellowship, when they make use of partaking in the the Lord's table, and when they are engaging in prayer. Those four beautiful resources is what every Christian needs to grow. And if a Christian neglects those four things, that Christian will not experience growth and will suffer for it. So that's the resources for spiritual growth. Let's now talk about the enemies. Because growing as a Christian is not easy. The Christian has enemies and these enemies are wanting to get in the way of every Christian and try to prevent the Christian from growing. Now a good soldier Learns to study their enemies. If you are in a battle or in a war, you need to know who your enemies are. So you're ready, right? And you don't want to go out into the field and go, oh, what? I didn't realize I had an enemy. <laughs> that would be silly. You need to know who your enemy is. And when it comes to Christian growth, you do have enemies. There's three of them. And I'm just going to mention them briefly. The first enemy is The world. The world. What do I mean by the world? I don't mean the physical planet, but what I mean is the ideas of all the people in the world that don't love Jesus. You put all the ideas and opinions and teachings of those who don't love Jesus and they stand opposed to God's Word. and if you listen to what the world says, it's going to bring difficulty, In your life if you love the Lord Jesus Christ if you start listening to the world and living like the world then you're going to become worldly and worldliness is something that God hates Christians are not to be worldly they're not to think like the world love the things that the world loves and look like the world And what I'm referring to is all the things that the world thinks that are opposite to what God's word says. That's what worldliness is. Worldliness is anything that opposes God's word. And the world that we live in really does oppose God's word. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, "...the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe." This world is deceived by Satan. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But I want you to know that this world has got ideas. It's got priorities. And we must be careful that when you live your life, are you living according to the world's opinion? Or are you living according to God's word? The world's ideas are an enemy to spiritual growth. And many churches Start becoming worldly. Many Christians can easily become worldly. Any of us can easily become worldly and we need to constantly evaluate ourselves. Is that enemy sneaking into your life? Are you becoming worldly? Are you thinking like unbelievers? I think it's a very important warning for all of you. Worldliness has always been around since sin came into this world. But you guys have a huge challenge. All of you were born after the internet was created. That's a pretty amazing thought. Every one of you have been born into a world where you could just go on the internet, and the internet is filled with so much information. Social media is filled with so much information. Not everything on it's bad, there's some great things on there, but there's a lot of worldliness on there. And you need to remember, These are enemies. You just got to look out for these enemies. Is it going to say something to you that's against God's word? Be aware. Well, there's a second enemy, and the second enemy is not the world, but it's something even more difficult. You see, some Christians make the mistake by thinking, well, the world is so dangerous. Well, the best way for me to grow then is just to live by myself and not talk to anyone. That way the world won't affect me. But that's not really going to help because you know what the second enemy is? Your flesh. It's something inside of you. So even if you hid away from the whole world and just went to a beautiful country town and got a big block of land and no one was around you and you feel like, oh, finally, I'm away from the world... Well, you've still got you with you and you still have an enemy. And what I mean, your flesh, I, I don't so much mean, you know, your skin and that type of thing. I'm talking about the, the part of a Christian that is still carrying sin with you. You still carry sin with you the moment you become a Christian. You still get tempted. You still struggle, even without anyone telling you to anything. You've still got a sinful um, tendencies and wherever you go, you bring this with you. And that's why you need to learn to daily confess your sin and, and, and resist what your sinfulness is desiring for you to do. But there is a third enemy, and that third enemy is the devil. Uh, the devil, according to 1 John 5 and verse 19, we read that the whole world lays under the sway of the evil one. This whole world is under the sway of Satan. Now, God is in charge of Satan. God is the ruler and king of all. But Satan does have sway over this world. And he is infecting this world with wickedness. He hates God. And Satan is doing all he can through his demons and through the world to promote ideas that are against God's word. And Satan wants to oppose you. He wants to... Uh, fight against you listen to these fascinating words from uh, the book of 1st Peter Uh, we read in 1st Peter chapter 5 these words beginning in verse 6 Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You see, Satan is roaming around, trying to tempt you, trying to get you off track. And we're told that we need to resist him by obeying the truth of God's word. So they are the three enemies of spiritual growth, the world, the flesh and the devil. So let's just quickly review. If you're going to grow, you need resources. And what are those resources? The word of God, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. If you're going to grow, you need to know who your enemies are, who are your enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil. And now we come to our final point. If you're going to grow, you need some strategies. And what are the strategies that are going to help you grow? Well, I'm just going to give you a few words and we're only going to look at them briefly. The first thing is you need to learn how to recognize sin. You need to learn how to recognize sin. Most often, sin doesn't come along in your life and rock up to you and say, Hey, guess what? I'm sin." And I'm here to prevent you from growing and becoming a godly Christian. I'm going to ruin your life and I'm going to stunt your spiritual growth. Do you, do you give me permission to now come into your life and change the way you make your decisions? Is that how sin works? No, that, that's never happened to me. Sin doesn't work like that. Sin is a master of disguise. But first of all, we need to define what sin is. Sin is anything that does not obey God's word. A Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is lawlessness, 1 John 3 and verse 4. That's what sin is. Sin is crossing the line when God says don't cross it. Sin is falling short of God's standard. But sin is a master of disguise. Sin likes to pretend that it's beautiful, it's great, it's wonderful, it's going to make you happy. And the thing is, sin is celebrated by the world. Our flesh that is still struggling with sin wants it. Satan loves it and tries to make it look good and beautiful to you. And therefore, it becomes tempting to us. We want to do it. We want to think about it. We want to embrace it. And and the sins that I struggle with might be different to the sins you struggle with. Or we might sometimes share in the struggles that we have. But, But sin is... It's subtle and it's a master of disguise. And if we're going to grow, we need to learn how to recognize sin. And you know the greatest way to recognize sin? It's not by studying all these different types of sins. The greatest way to recognize sin is to know what is righteous. The greatest way to recognize sin is to study God. Because the more you gaze at him, the more you know who God is, the more you are going to recognize anything that's not like him. I remember reading about uh, someone who worked at a bank and they used to receive a lot of forgeries. You know, someone would deposit money or a check that was fake. Someone was really clever, they made up a fake $100 bill and they put it in the bank and said, oh, could you please put this in my bank account? And they said to the person who worked at the bank, the best way to find the forgery is not to study forgeries. The best way is to study real notes. Because if you really know what a true note is, when you see a fake one, it will stand out. And the best way to recognize sin is not to dabble with sin, but to study God. The more you know him, the more you'll know sin. So the first strategy, if you're going to grow, is to recognize sin. Secondly, you need to learn how to replace sin. You need to learn how to replace sin. Let's have a look at an important passage. And this is found in the book of Colossians chapter three. We see in verse five, therefore put to death your members, which are on earth and listen to the list of sins, sexual immorality, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry because of these things. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long long-suffering bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. In other words, what Paul is saying there is if you're going to grow, you need to replace sin with righteousness. It's like this. If you've got a filthy jacket on, take your filthy jacket off and put a clean one on. And that is you need to remove yourself from sins and you need to actually pursue those things that are pleasing to God. That's how we grow. We recognize sin, but then we remove sin by replacing it with righteous things. Uh, We are to walk in obedience to God. The greatest way to fight against sin, to resist sin, is actually to walk in obedience to God. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. By keeping the commandments doesn't make you a Christian, but if you're a Christian, you will want to keep his commandments because you love Jesus. So the question is, do you love Jesus? Well, if you do, then remove yourself from sinful situations and replace it with righteous situations. Obey God's word. Walk in in obedience to the Lord. I like Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. And the psalm goes on to say, but the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1 is a psalm that I think you should learn to memorize. It teaches you what it means to replace sin with righteousness. Now we come to the next word. If you're going to grow making use of the strategy, you need to recognize sin, you need to replace sin. But what happens when you fail? Because you will. You will be tempted. And you will choose sin over righteousness. You will think things that are ungodly. You will do things that God's word clearly says you should not do. And you may hide it from other people. You may indulge in certain immoral things or harsh things or unkind things. What do you do then? Well, I don't want you to, lose hope i don't want you to go well i've sinned i may as well just keep going now i know some people feel like that sometimes They think well i'm struggling and i'm sinning and i just keep going because they feel so guilty and then they just give up but don't here's the strategy you know what you do when you fail and you will fail you will but you know what you do you repent Repentance is a gift of God. You know what repentance is? Repentance is saying, I recognize that what I've done is displeasing to God and I hate what I've done and I agree with God that it's wrong and I turn away from that and I turn to God. That's what repentance is. And repentance involves you confessing your sin to God and turning away from that sin. Sometimes that might mean you have to make dramatic decisions in your life. Uh, Like, for example, if you've got some bad habits that are sinful on the computer, then that might mean you need to make sure that you don't use that computer when no one else is around watching you. It might mean mean you need to make some dramatic decisions and changes in your life. Uh, Jesus said it in a dramatic way. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And what he's meaning there is sometimes you have to make dramatic decisions to repent. But repentance is a gift from God, guys. Make use of it every single day. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Repentance leads us back to the beautiful freedom of forgiveness in the Lord Jesus. I've actually got one more word for you. And it's repeat. Because then you just repeat that whole cycle all over again. And that should be a daily practice for every single one of us. So we're going to finish and I'm going to finish with a summary I want to quote to you uh, 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. The Apostle Peter finishes his second letter. I love 2 Peter. But as soon as I say I love 2 Peter, I love 1 Peter too. And I'm getting distracted now because that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. But in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, I love it how he finishes this letter. He says to his readers, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter wanted to see those Christians grow. And if I was to use Peter's second letter as an example of growing, he actually gives us a few other tips, but they kind of relate to what we've looked at. I like to look at the whole book of 2 Peter as an example of how to grow. Peter ends his book by saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you go to chapter one and you know what chapter one's about? Peter says, remember the scriptures. That's how you grow by remembering what God's word says. Chapter two is about recognizing the swindlers, that is false teachers, that is those who oppose God's word. That's like the world and the devil and our flesh. And then in chapter three, he says, remember the second coming of Jesus. Jesus is gonna come back again one day. So keep your eyes on him and live for him now. If we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, These are just some of the things that we need to remember. So today we have packed into this session some very important information. If you're going to grow, first of all, you have to be a Christian, don't you? And that's the most important question I leave with you today is, are you saved? Have you believed and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? Are you forgiven of your sins? If you were to die tonight, would you instantly go to heaven? You will if you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you do know the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you are a Christian, well, you are commanded to grow. And the way you grow is by, first of all, making use of the resources of the Word of God, prayer, fellowship, and all that takes place in the gathering of God's people at church. Secondly, you need to recognise your enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil, and then you need to remember the strategies learn how to recognise sin, learn how to replace sin, learn how to repent and go on repeat and just keep doing that. But all of this is possible only by God's grace. Not one of us in this room have the ability to do any of that by ourselves. I can't do that. I can't live the Christian life. I need Jesus. And that's why you must love him because your love for Jesus is what's going to help you grow. So this is my last challenge to you. How do you grow as a Christian? One thing, love the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you love him, you'll do everything that he's asked you to do. And it's all those things that I've just mentioned. Well, thank you all for listening. Let me pray for you and then you can all uh, go. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this wonderful group of teenagers in here. It's a real privilege to be able to pour into them uh, these principles from your word about spiritual growth. I know that it is your will for your children to grow, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. But there's certain things that you've given us to know, to help us grow. And I pray that this would be useful and helpful to all who have been here today. Guide them and strengthen them, bless them and keep them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.